0: If you will turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, beginning at chapter 6, verse 14, and it goes all the way through uh, verse uh, 7-1. 7-1 is transitional, it can either go with chapter 7 or chapter 6, and I'm choosing for it to go with chapter 6 today. But anyway, um, 6-14 through 7-1, and I want to read those words to you this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we just ask God that you would add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of your word, Father God. Help us to take it into our heart and soul today and to look to you for... Um, our strength to perform these things, Father. It's in your name I pray. Amen. There are um, deep divisions in our world today. and We've talked about these kinds of divisions before. But there are divisions in in, in the outside world here. Um, You know, dividing over politics, dividing over um, partisan politics, dividing over various opinions on various subjects, dividing over um, the, the cultural issues that, that are being put forth. Um, we have activists who are pushing their, their, their agendas. And, and when we have lobbyists in Washington DC pushing their agendas. And um, it seems like we're becoming more and more polarized in our world today. And, and it's sad. And it's sad that this is happening. And what the Bible shows us and teaches us is that these divisions are are real. And sometimes these, these, these divisions must happen. But it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that can unify people. The truth of Jesus Christ and His gospel is the thing that can bring people together and unify them. But there are times where we must separate when the gospel is being opposed by, by, by the world around us. And, and there are times where we do have to separate ourselves from, from people who, have opposed, or who are opposing God and, and, and are even defaming God's name, uh, lessening the uh, gospel of Jesus Christ, denying the, the authority of the church that Christ established, and I mean church with a capital C, De- denying especially His word, His holy scriptures, uh, th- those are, are, are sometimes people that we must separate from. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. In Paul's um, letter here to, to the Corinthians, um, some of you may have read 1 Corinthians, and that, that first letter was pretty scathing. And, you know, the Corinthians um, did all the things that, that Paul told them that they should do. As far as... Um, straightening out their worship, and as far as um, <clears throat> removing um, sinful people who call themselves believers out from their midst, and, and and Second Corinthians talks about how this man repented and they welcomed him back in. Um, but the whole the, this whole the whole letter was pretty scathing, and they were doing some pretty pretty terrible things in First Corinthians. Lots of compromise was going on. Now, 2 Corinthians, in the second letter that Paul is giving them, he's commending them on the things that they're doing right, and he still is giving them some some warning and encouragement here in in chapter 6. One of the problems uh, that was happening in in the church was that they were denying that Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ and also um, rejecting the message of Paul, which is what he inherited from... Uh, Jesus Christ Himself. So, so there were people in the church who were denying even the truth that Jesus Christ was the very Son of God. And when Paul talks about, um, in verse 14, when he gives a command, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, <clears throat> what he is referring to here is not unbelievers out in the world who weren't part of the church, He's not saying don't be yoked with them. He's warning against people within the church who were openly denying the authority of Paul as the apostle of Jesus Christ, bringing them the message of salvation which came from Christ Himself. That they were denying the words of the apostle, they were denying the words of God Himself. Speaking in, in the form of Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. Now can you imagine people within the church who, who, who were attending the church of Corinth who were probably professed Christ at some point and then they, they came back and were denying that, that the, the apostle that Jesus sent had any authority there and, and, and that they, they were accepting um, a, a, a doctrine of Christ of Jesus Christ that was not true, that, that they were opposing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the, this is what Paul is referring to here when he's talking about unbelievers in this context. Now, some people will take verse 14 and they'll say, okay, well, that, that applies to um, uh, being married, being a Christian, and marrying somebody who's un, an unbeliever. Don't be unequally yoked. And I think that's a, that's a good general principle anytime. If, if, if you're a believer, Christianity calls you to a way of living, a, 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 life, of, a, a life of holiness with Him. And I think it's a, it's a generally good idea to marry someone who is also a Christian, who shares your beliefs in Christ, because those things are, are unifying. And also, the fact that uh, marriage is, is God's, it belongs to God, it, it's a sacred act, marriage is. <clears throat> um, the Bible says there's only two ways for a person to be either married or celibate and that, 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 that's God's plan for the world, married or celibate and not just any kind of marriage either, marriage between a man and a woman and because it belongs to God it, it behooves us to say that well it, it's good if, we, if we're believers in God, especially if we want to be married in the church you now the state can kind of go do what it wants to do. But, but marriage is something that God established from the very beginning. So yes, you don't want to be unequally yoked with a non-believer in that way. And it, it's, 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 it's the better part of wisdom to find somebody who is a believer. If, you, if, if you're going to get married. <clears throat> but some people, like the Apostle Paul, were not married. And he was, he was celibate. He kept himself chaste. He was... You know, um, he he was he himself was dedicated to Christ. He said that he also get, gives the advice. He says, "I wish all men were like I was, or I am. I wish all men were like I am, single and dedicated to the Lord." He says, "But if you cannot control yourselves in this world, then then you definitely should be married." So he he affirmed both those states: being celibate and being married. But I don't think I don't think this is what. Or, or sometimes people will say too that. Um, this has to do with business. Don't, don't get into a business partnership with someone who's, if you're a believer and somebody who's, a, uh, who's not a believer, don't get into a business partnership with them. But I don't think this is talking about the world in general. I think this is talking about the church itself. That th- There were people who were openly denying the gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth that is in the Bible. And they were within the walls of the church, claiming the title of Christian. Paul is saying, don't be um, unequally yoked with them. In other words, you can't have fellowship with someone who denies the gospel of Jesus Christ that, that's, that, that claims to be a Christian. Now, that, now that's a distinct difference. Somebody who is you know, not a part of the church, has, has never believed in Jesus Christ, that that's an unbeliever, I think God wants us to associate with, with those because we want to win them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But someone who professes to be a Christian and is in the church and yet does not um, accept the authority of God's word or the, the authority that comes from from the Apostle, which comes directly from Christ, someone who, who denies those things, you know, they're liars and we should not have anything to do with them. They're, 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 they're being hypocrites that they're believing in a false doctrine. They're denying the authority of God's Word. <clears throat> and to put the point forcefully, Paul asks a series of questions where we know the negative answer is, is no. We know the answer to these questions is no. He says, what partnership does righteousness have with lawlessness? How can you be a righteous person and yet have fellowship in the church and worship in the church with someone who is willfully and knowingly in dark, in, in, um, in lawlessness? Does not accept God's word as, as authoritative. How can you, as, as, as someone who loves the Lord, who is what righteousness is, is being made right in His sight? Someone who loves God and, and wants to follow Him and do His will, It's not just about following the laws of God. It's about loving God and wanting to serve Him and especially recognizing His Son Jesus Christ serving Him because He is the Son of God and that is the fundamental doctrine of of the church. What does that have to do with somebody who denies those things, who does not care about the authority of the Bible, who does not follow it? And we're talking about somebody within the church who openly defies the Lord. Someone who claims to be a Christian but denies God's word. And there's another distinction there too. You know, sometimes there's people out in the world who come into our doors who know nothing, who know little or nothing about the gospel and and and, and are seeking the Lord and seeking to know and, and their lives may still be in sin. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about people. Who have, who have claimed the name of Christian, who say, yes, I am a Christian, but I don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And, and, and I don't believe in, in what the apostle has said. And I don't believe in the authority of what God has commanded. There's a huge difference in that. And he says, we should not have fellowship with those because we will be unequally yoked. Over and over again, what fellowship has light with darkness? what accord does Christ have with Belial? Belial is another ancient name for Satan, or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? There is no no, no share, no agreement with those in between those kinds of things, and we have to understand that the most important thing that makes a church is Christ Himself. Christ Himself is the foundation of the church. His Word is its foundation. And if we deny those things, then we have no share in Him. We have to remember that as a people of God. We cannot claim to be a Christian and not be obedient to God's Word. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. It carries the idea that you know, an, an ox and, and a mule cannot pull a yoke together. Because even though the, the ox is, is strong, and even though he has a lot of power, that mule is going to pull him down every time. And it's going to cause a fall for both. And, and, and if a believer tries to have fellowship with someone who, who is a, says they're a Christian but yet denies Jesus Christ and, 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 and wants to worship with them and wants to be um, you know, in, in, in the church with them, that usually the person who denies Christ and denies the Gospel and, and lives with a darkened understanding is going to pull the faithful believer down happens almost every time. And it's sad when that happens. But God says the reason for all this is because the church is now the temple of the living God. Not this building. Not this denomination. Church with a capital C. The church universal that Christ Himself established, His body is the temple of the living God, and the members in it, you and I, who are the members of Christ's body in His church universal, are the temple of the living God. In other words, if we believe in Jesus Christ, and we've accepted the gospel, it means that Christ has come to dwell within us. It means that God Himself is walking among us. It means that the Holy Spirit, which is, which is the representative of God on earth right now, it lives within us. He, he lives within, within each person as the temple of the living God. And how can a person who denies that truth have God's Spirit in them? That's what Paul is saying here. <clears throat> it's not just talking about non-believers in general out there in the world. It's talking about somebody who claims to be a Christian and yet does not want to follow God's law or His word. In other words, we're called to be a separate people. Christians are called to be a separate people. Paul weaves together several Old Testament passages here. He says, I will make my dwelling among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, or as a result of this, or because of this, Go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. In other words, if we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we believe in the good news that He came to bring, then then we must, at times, separate ourselves from those who deny all of those things. We don't follow their ways. We don't follow their beliefs. We don't affirm them in their denial of Christ. We don't affirm them in in, in their denial of the authority of God's Scriptures. And some people wonder, well, don't we love them? Well, of course we do. Doesn't God love them? Of course He does. But again, two opposing forces cannot have, you know, the same fellowship together if one denies fundamentally the truth of God and His Word and its authority, and yet the other one loves God, wants to serve Him, recognizes God's authority, wants to follow His commands, those two things cannot have a close bond with each other. And I would say that has to do with Christian fellowship. I would say that has to do with Christian worship, worshiping together. You can't have a split congregation with split opinions over this fundamental issue. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we may have many opinions on many different subjects. But if we deny the authority of God's scriptures and refuse to follow them in our hearts and obey them... (coughs) then we don't have any share or portion in God himself. The other thing, too, it talks about here at, at the end of um, this passage in 7.1, it says this, since we have these promises, the promises that we are the temple of the living God and that God is, is dwelling within us and among us, it says, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Not only are we to be separate, but we are also to cleanse ourselves from ourselves of every impurity. And that's what the gospel calls us to. That's what the gospel calls us to. It it calls us not only to um, believe in Jesus Christ, not only to receive forgiveness for our sins, not only to receive a cleansing from God for those sins, but God wants to fundamentally transform us into His own image, which is a holy image. The primary meaning of the word holy is to be separated, but it also has a moral element, to be free, from sin in our hearts and lives. And God wants to bring that work of holiness to its completion in us through a process of transformation. Now, now, as a good Methodist, I do believe in sanctification as the second work of God's grace. We get an initial sanctification when 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 we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes upon us and cleanses us. But there comes a time where we have to realize that, Lord, I need to give you all of me, and I need to give you a full surrender. And at that moment, we do receive a second grace from God where He enables us to love our neighbor as ourselves and to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. And then, and then there's, there's still a process of transformation after that. Of course, there is. But transformation is a process. God wants to bring holiness to completion within us. And we can't do God's will in that, in that way when we are fellowshipping with those who deny the very authority of God's commands and deny the authority of God's gospel. And I'm talking about, again, within the church here, the people who deny, who say they want to be Christians, who want the name, but they deny the authority and the truth of God's Word. The Apostle Paul says, Do not be unequally yoked with them. Come out from their midst and be separate. He even says, Touch no unclean thing. <clears throat> the, the Corinthians, um, I think some of these that were in the church wanted to mix idolatry with Christianity. And we see evidence of that in some of the apostolic writings that happened after, um, a- after this time, in the, in the, into the second century, that they were writing about how um, some of the Greeks uh, were um, developing their own religion around Jesus Christ so that they could mirror and copy the mystery religions, um, w- w- which were very pagan, all, all around. Um, you, you had a mystery religion that, that worshipped um, the god of wine and you had a mystery religion that, that may have um, worshipped the, the Artemis, um, and the God, goddess of wisdom, and, and those kinds of things. You had all these mystery religions with their own little initiations, and they were little more than just uh, social clubs, the, the, these Greek mystery religions. And one of the things that um, uh, the early church fathers, particularly Irenaeus, had to, had to address in the church was, that They have made up this whole idea first of all, that Jesus and Christ were even separate people. Jesus was the human form, Christ was the divine form, and Jesus was an archon lead, leading to us, leading us to the divinity of Christ that they, they were separate people, and they had this whole complex um, idea of, of who uh, of, of, they just took names from the Bible and said, "Michael the archangel is is a god this in, in, in this, uh, in this pantheon of worship that we call it. Uh, Worshipping all these different gods. They, they were naming all these different names of Angel Gabriel was one to be worshipped. So on and so forth. Sophia was the goddess of wisdom. I mean, they, 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 they created this whole intricate thing, and Iron Man is warning, look, you better, you better get these guys out of, out of your church because they're going to corrupt it. And what they're really doing is turning um, Christianity into one of these popular Greek mystery clubs is what they were, pretty much, that that gained you status in the world. That's all that they were, were were like like, like a country club, so to speak, to, to get them prestige in the world. There are some today that think that church, the church of Jesus Christ, the one that Christ established, is little more than a country club. A place where I become a member, and I pay my dues, and I expect something out of the church, and whether or not I, I you know, believe and, and uh, accept the authority of, and, and, and follow those rules and, and conform to, to it, it th- those things don't matter as long as I have my status and, and, I, and my friends and um, the, the name Christian tied to it. I'm a card-carrying member. Paul says that is not what the gospel is. The gospel is Jesus Christ as the Son of God coming down to earth to break the curse of sin and death, to offer forgiveness for our sins through His His shed blood, to offer cleansing from those sins through His shed blood, and giving us the gift of God's Holy Spirit to transform us and conform us into His image. To do the work of making us holy, of sanctifying us. It is the reality of the universe and anything that denies that or falls short of that should be shed off. The Evangelical Methodist Church back in the 1940s, separated from the Old Methodist Conference. Because Bishop J.H. Hamblin um, began to see signs that the conference um, of the Methodist, Old Methodist Church was denying the authority and inspiration of God's Word. The Word that came from Christ Himself, through the apostles like Peter, John, and Paul, Paul and John wrote most of the New Testament. There are people that that are denying the truth of the gospel. They're denying the transformation that the gospel provides. This was happening even even back in the 1940s. Their their curriculum was questioning the uh, the inspiration and authority of God's word. It was even denying the fact that, or questioning at least, the fact that God existed at all. That they were becoming more and more. Um, agnostic in, in the, in the higher-up hierarchy of the old Methodist conference. And so the EMC decided to split off, and uh, Dr. Hamlin, um, that there was a group of churches in Texas that, that followed him out. And he um, felt led along with um, uh, Dr. Ezekiel Vargas, who was over the Mexican um, mission in, um, in Mexico, uh, that came together to form the Evangelical Methodist Church. And eventually, some on the West Coast came and joined. Um, there was a fellow named C. P. Haggard. We named our school of ministry after him. He was over the um, Azusa Pacific University there um, in, in California, and had formed a group called Evangelink. I think it was. I don't remember the exact name. But he eventually joined. And eventually, you know, North Carolina churches, which, which included Welker's Crossroads, were already part of the People's Methodist Movement that had also pulled out and separated from Old Methodism, came and joined the Evangelical Methodist Church whose primary belief was that God had all authority and that Scripture was inspired by Him and that, that Word has authority over us every last word of it. We heard the call of God to separate. And it's unfortunate This is why, as any EMC church, we have standards for doctrine. We, we, we want to promote and maintain the discipline. This is why we have a, 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 a discipline at all. This is why we have an organizational structure. Because we, we, we need somebody outside of us to kind of keep us in check, so to speak. And I would affirm that structure, all the you know, 100%. Because that structure... Holds first and foremost that God exists as three and one, that his word is fully inspired by him, and it has authority over us. All of it does. It's sad to see these, these separations happen, but at time and times that they, they, they do. Our friends in the United Methodist Church are going through this right now. They're splitting over the issue of whether or not homosexuals homosexuals can be married and whether or not um, homosexuals can be clergy. talking about practicing homosexuals here. There there are some that that are denying that the Bible even says anything about this. There are some that, that are denying that Christ can transform people through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through His Holy Spirit that they're denying that that homosexuality is even a sin at all. And so in May the Global Methodist Church formed finally and know they've come out and they've formed and there are several United Methodist churches pulling out. Our church, our denomination has received several United Methodist members. I know this because I'm on the Board of Ministerial Relations and I chair that board Anybody that comes in to the EMC has to go through our board. Um, and we've had six UM ministers, and I think two or three United Methodist churches that have, have, have broken away and come to the EMC. And although it's sad to see that happen, sometimes these things must happen. We have to be with those who are like-minded. We have to be those who affirm Christ and His gospel because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the truth of the universe and it is reality and if we're here for any reason at all if, 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 you're a, if you're a person here in this church today the reason that you are here is because God is operating in the world he loves the world but he has one way to be reconciled to him that is through the Son Jesus Christ And what he says is sin is sin. And what he says is not sin is not sin. (laughs) And we have to bring ourselves under his authority. And pray for these who are separating over these issues. Pray for our United Methodist brothers who are going through this. Uh, The Wesleyans went through this um, back in the 1800s. They separated from the old Methodist conference over the issue of slavery. The Wesleyans were abolitionists, strong abolitionists. And and the Methodists, you know, they, they 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 took a kind of a neutral stance on slavery. The Wesleyans said, "We we can't we can't stay with you because we believe that God brings freedom and that we need we 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 need to uh, follow God's God's will in his way. We need to follow all of his commands and affirm his word." We need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are going through this, making decisions to have to separate. And we need to, um, as a church, be ready to receive them as well. As, as, as we've received many that, that have come over. But there is a time where God calls us to be a separate people. We're called to be a separate people. In the way that we live, in the way that we follow God's Word, and in the way that we follow His commands, in in the way that we follow Him ourselves in our hearts, from our hearts truly. He calls us to live differently. But most importantly, He calls us together as believers in Jesus Christ following the one true gospel being reconciled to God together. And that's the thing that can bring the most unity among people. God loves you. He loves us. And He loves it especially when we're in unity. (laughs) where we affirm the gospel of Jesus Christ as, as our truth. Hold the banner of the Bible high. Don't ever give up on it. Don't ever give up on its glorious and wonderful truths. And let God do the transformation He needs to do in your heart and life. To help you remove sin. And to love Him as we should and love each other as we should. Let's stand.